0: Welcome to another episode of Global U Talks, where college-age entrepreneurs travel the world and interview experts in technology, entrepreneurship, and the kingdom way of life.
1: Well, Elizabeth, so uh, you went on the world race, and now you work for Google. Well, so we're on Facebook, and, and some folks will be joining us. Plus, we have the Global U students, so there's about 24 there. And and so I, apparently you and I were just talking and I met you once before and I talked to you and Elena and your maybe six other people from your group and at, at Project Searchlight. And yeah. as a racer, you guys formed a really tight community and that was impressive to me. I loved the way that you pressed into one another. And in that hour that we talked, it was just uh, in my heart that you guys would continue on in relationship. And so it's fun for me to see that you and Elaine are such good friends. Could you maybe talk about how you got on the race to begin with and then that process of forming community?
0: Yeah, so originally I was in college and I had no plans of uh, going on the race or doing anything in the missions world. Thought I was going to be a lawyer, and that was my plan. And I had a few events happen in college. I was in an accident that was pretty serious, and had to go through a rehabilitation process with that. And it just really made me question, you know, what does the Lord have for me outside of my plans? What are His plans for me? And I felt a really clear call um, to go on the world race. So I ended up applying and going and yeah it was an awesome experience yeah so that team we we definitely were very different people going into <laughs> being on a team together and you know i was used to generally being around people that uh, had similar interests to me Similar background, etc., and all of a sudden was thrown into a group of people who were really different from me. So it was really hard, honestly, at first. You know, we had a lot of challenges that we had to walk through, and we really had to get to a point where we could trust each other's motives, have clear communication, and everything that we did. And I think that team taught me that with clear communication, you can uh, really develop strong relationships with anybody, even if um, at first it's really challenging. And We were able to just talk through, you know, well, why did you do this? And um, what was your heart behind this? And through that, we were able to really trust each other and develop some really strong friendships. Um, Still not necessarily, you know, always easy relationships, but definitely was um, worth it and very thankful to have all of them in my life and uh, to obviously have Lainey because she, Elena, (laughs) as everyone knows her, I was the maid of honor in her wedding and everything. So it's been a really blessing, um, a huge blessing to me, that friendship.
1: So, you know, community is one of the things that it's focused on in the world race, but a lot of people, maybe they just don't get to that level that you guys did. So to yeah. me, there must have been some grit. There must, must have been some people pushing for that. That's not good enough. Let's go deeper. Were, were though those people in your group?
0: yeah definitely. I think Sarah Kate was someone who really pushed us um, to go deeper, and she was a great leader in our group. I think everybody in their own way pushed us in different ways, and everybody at times you know wanted to give up, and we just kept pushing and and really pursuing each other in friendship and it was like I said it was challenging. I think it's challenging at any point to live and work with people 24/7 that you just met and are really different from you but it teaches you um, how to adapt to different relationships and different situations and how to communicate clearly and I've taken that lesson into my job and into relationships past the world race so well,
1: I'll just great. press you one more time Elizabeth like maybe you can take us to a, uh, a scene a story where it was tough and where you felt like maybe wanting to quit and you felt like, ah, this is not worth it. And then what allowed you guys to go deeper?
0: Yeah, let's see. I know um, when we were in Nepal, which was our second month, um, it was a really interesting month. We were staying at a yak ranch in the Himalayas. (laughs) And so um, we were definitely really isolated at that time. And it was, challenging month for us because we went from being in a period of being with the entire squad in India to all of a sudden being more isolated as a team and during that time I actually had been injured and a lot of us were getting sick and things were going wrong all over the place and we also were kind of pressing into community and living with each other and it was really, really challenging. And going into the next month into Vietnam, I think we had taken a lot of hurts from that and brought that into Vietnam. And at one point, one of the one of the members of my team really wanted to get baptized. And it was in the middle of winter in Da Nang. <laughs> and we were staying right on the beach, and she really wanted to get baptized in the water. And I remember, you know, there was a lot of hurt and pain that had come from some Words that were spoken, and during that time, we all sat down as a group and really talked through for a long time. You know what we were feeling, and a lot of those emotions um, and hurts, and you know past hurts that had led to us feeling certain ways about each other, triggers, things like that, to really be able to understand each other's perspectives, and then actually, um, Lainey was someone who pushed me in this. I you know they were all going out to the water to do this baptism, and I just wasn't feeling it at the time. <laughs> I was still um walking through some of that anger at some some members of the team, and she you know said, "You need to be all in with this team if you you want to have that relationship and so we all, as an act of solidarity, got into this freezing cold water. <laughs> oh and um, one of the members of my team uh, got baptized. And then, you know, I think, I think we ended up getting yelled at to get out of the water because it was <laughs> um, not a time when you're supposed to be in it, but it was, you know, experience where we all had to choose to participate and choose to do something that was uncomfortable, choose to sit through uncomfortable conversations. And it ended up building a strong memory and a really strong connection between our team.
1: Well, that's a great story. And do you have any exhortation or words of encouragement to Facebook uh, people that are watching right now as to, you know, maybe the price of intimacy and and what would you say to people who are feeling isolated and want to connect?
0: Yeah. So... You know, living in Austin, I went from being in community all the time in on the world race, being in community with my family when I was living here in Tampa and having that friendship circle that I had here and then growing up and having all the community that I had. So I moved to Austin about two years ago and really did struggle with isolation and feeling very alone, going somewhere brand new. And I think that from my own personal experience, it can be super scary and just really, really a depressing time to be in isolation. But I had to learn in that time that the Lord is always with me, and that He is my rock and my foundation. And to just press into Him and trust in Him that He's going to bring those right people into your life. And um, the price of intimacy—it can be hard sometimes to be in a relationship with people, and sometimes it seems like it's not worth all the work. But in the end. It definitely is worth all the work to um, be able to build those friendships that last a lifetime and I think you know to be able to especially share in um, Christian faith with people and to be able to build each other up that's the way that the Lord um, really designed the kingdom and it's a beautiful thing.
1: Is it possible to get that in Austin? I think about Austin as a difficult place to <laughs> walk out faith and it's a uh... What is it? What's the, uh, it's something about it's good to be weird in Austin. Some, some.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Keep Austin weird. <laughs>
1: Keep Austin weird. Yeah.
0: Slogan. Yeah. Austin is a unique city and something that was different for me, but there's a lot of young people. And a lot of, if you search, you're able to find people who um, have the same heart and the same desires as you um, anywhere. And the Lord's able to bring that to you wherever you are. And I think Austin's also a really transient city. So people are really frequently um, moving in and out, so that can be challenging as well, but just, yeah, I've had to learn how to depend on the Lord for that level of intimacy with Him and with others.
1: Hmm. So, tell us, you know, what a huge transition you made. You came off the race, and all of this experience, all this heart experience, and then you go to like the, what, you're head of uh, project management for AI at Google now, what is it?
0: So I work as a as a program manager um, on program. one of our um, yeah AI uh, research teams at Google.
1: I mean that's that's like really heady stuff, Elizabeth. So and and yeah. what a, <laughs> a, and you were like you had a, if I got this right the the Facebook account for Google. So you were interfacing, interfacing with some pretty high up people at Facebook at one point.
0: Uh, So I was working in a sales function previously. So I worked with the cloud teams and yeah, I I got to work with some really awesome um, people throughout the entire enterprise, large tech industry in the Bay Area, which was a really good experience, um, a great learning experience, being able to work with people um, who have so much experience and learn from them.
1: So I'm just trying to wrap my head around how you kind of move from the world race to Google. So how did, how did that happen? And what are they, I mean, it must feel kind of herky jerky in your soul. Tell us about it.
0: Yeah. So I, when I first got off the world race, I took two months and just rested my soul (laughs) and spent time with my family. So that was a really good time. I ended up getting a job after that. Working with the Outback Bowl for a little while, which is a college football bowl game here in Tampa, and had a lot of fun with that. And then after that, I was, you know, just searching for different roles, and I ended up actually just applying online to a lot of different jobs and got the job at Google, which was really awesome. The Lord opened that door for me. It wasn't something that I intended. I never you know, was one to really desire working at Google, but he opened that door, which was really incredible. And through that, you know, I moved to Austin and I had all these new experiences. And I think the world race really prepared me to be able to adapt to, you know, this new living environment, to be able to be really adaptable in my work as well, because that's something that was really emphasized um, in the line of work that I do.
1: So you went and uh, you've been on kind of a fast track, as I understand. I don't know if this is your friends just talking or the reality (laughs) is that they... talked
0: me up. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So they they moved you from kind of one position to another and you had more and more responsibility. And now you're not just in the culture, but you're responsible for a piece of the culture, right? As a leader, you're responsible. So how has that been, you know, as you... As a follower of Christ, you've got one perspective, but you're in this heady, academic and and go go kind of uh, environment. How do you how do you manage that?
0: I think the Lord's really impressed upon my heart that it's His purposes that are going to be fulfilled in my life, and not necessarily the ones that I have panned out for me. And originally, when joining Google, I felt like the Lord put something on my heart in regards to artificial intelligence. And that was something I really desired to be involved in. And there was a lot of um, confusion around that because I was in sales at the time and not necessarily involved in artificial intelligence. Yeah. Um, so I kind of created a plan for myself of how I would get there and was striving and working really hard to do that meeting with certain people, um, you know, trying to get certain certifications, things like that. And in that I ended up Going through some hard times with personal situations, my grandfather passing away, things like that, and really fell off of that and felt like a lot of disappointment in myself that I wasn't on the track that I felt like the Lord had me on. And this actually, at the beginning of this year, I, you know, the team that I was on in the sales org ended up being reorged. And so, I had three months to find a new role at Google. So it actually wasn't the most ideal situation that all of this came together in and it was something that was really scary and made me question Um, my identity and where my identity lied. Was it in, you know, my work or was it in uh, Christ? Was it in, you know, my finances and um, in my company and my title or was it in God? And so that was something I really had to work through at the beginning of this year and was fairly challenging. And then, you know, the Lord led me to this role, which is honestly one that was more ideal than I could ever ask or imagine and just such an incredible role. But he took me there in a way, where I didn't qualify myself and I wasn't able to um, get there on my own. And there's a a verse, you know, Psalm 57, too. He will fulfill his purposes for me. And I have had to learn that it's his purposes and not mine and that he'll fulfill them. Obviously, we have to work hard and have an open heart and prepare, but he's going to fulfill those in our life. So that's something that I really had to um, learn through this whole process. And in my time transferring from role to role, I've definitely had to learn Um, to be adaptable and how to yeah just get along with others and you know even when they're you know some challenging relationships and I took a lot from the world race in that but it's you know my team is really great and I've been blessed to have um, people who are really kind.
1: I'll ask you maybe another question then we'll open it up to the class for you know questions that they may have and yeah I guess where have you drawn encouragement so, it, it, do you get any encouragement uh, in and in a, kind of being yourself, being, you know, a spiritual person, somebody who's following Christ? Do you get any encouragement there in the workplace or do you have to get it from outside or you just get it from the Lord? How do you stay encouraged?
0: Yeah, it's definitely a mixture. I root it in my relationship with the Lord individually. And it's something that, especially working at, you know, a company that isn't, you know, and then isn't a christian based org it's something that i really have to walk in with every day just the joy of the lord and wanting to you know take that into everything that i do but in addition to that google does have some you know organizations within that make you know connecting with other christians really easy in the workplace which has been a really big blessing and so being able to connect with people there and then also just leaning on my friends and my family to be lifting me up in prayer along the way. And to, you know, I, I, people from the world raised people from my past at the Lord's Place in my life um, as long-term friends. I've definitely had to push into that community and then locally push into a community in Austin. So I've been able to find some really strong people um, and Christians and friends there in some church community as well. That's great.
1: Well, thank you, Elizabeth. And let's open it up now to the class. So uh, we're All here in Gainesville, we have been quarantining and nobody's really having an easy time of it right now, but we do have community. So let me um, open it up to the class for any questions that they may have. Jacob? Yeah, we're gonna bring in our students here and then Anyone that's watching on Facebook Live, you can put questions in the comments and we will get to those um, too, but.
0: I was wondering, I know you've worked at home a good bit with Google, but what's the transition been like since the coronavirus? Has it been a big one or are you kind of used to it? Yeah. So I will say one thing about Google is that we have a really work from home friendly culture in the first place. And we have, you know, the whole productivity suite, G suite, which makes it really easy to make that transition from a technical standpoint. Uh, we already did a lot of meetings online um, and over GVC, um, over Google Hangouts meet and things like that. So that made it a lot easier, I would say, to make that actual transition. But going from being in um Community with everyone every day at work to being alone, especially while transitioning um, into a new role. Because I've actually been um, spending the past couple of months onboarding, has been something that has been challenging. From a you know doing remotely and also staying you know fully motivated while being home all the time has been something that I'm sure everyone struggles with, but can be challenging. So yeah, I mean, I in regards to Google as a whole, I think they handled it really well. They've you know, worked really hard to put our safety first um, and worked really hard to make sure that we're all um, able to uh, get everything we need to get done done. They've been really good with parents and people like that who um, have different challenges going on. And yeah, I'm really blessed to work for a company that's been so helpful in all of it, but it's definitely been something where I've had to um, pace myself um, and get myself to wake up at a certain time every morning and get on certain meetings and block out my own time. So I've learned a lot in time management through it. That's good. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Hi. So you had mentioned that everybody in your group had their own, they all had their own gifting and they're all like leaders in their own way. So maybe an example or just through your opinion, what, how do you call individual leadership out and people who you, especially when you think that there's more there? How do you find out what people's area of gifting is and how do you call that out? Yeah, that's a great question. I would say in calling people out, it's important, or calling people out for their leadership, it's so important to really ask the Lord to give you insight and discernment into what what talents each person has. I think a lot of times we can look over certain things or we can, you know, be so focused on ourselves that we don't necessarily, or the organization as a whole, that we don't necessarily see the giftings of each individual person. So I think that that's something that's really valuable, just um, being in prayer with the Lord and he will give you discernment in that. But I also think, using some different tools like a Myers-Briggs personality test, or I know that you guys um, have done Enneagrams or even like love language tests, things like that. Uh, Obviously physical touch isn't something you should bring into the workplace, but (laughs) other than that, being able to recognize whether or not someone reacts um, to being verbally affirmed for something or getting some sort of prize for being affirmed, being able to really understand how each individual person responds well and making sure that um, you're tailoring your messaging to them and your motivation to them in that way has been something that I have been able to learn and really dive into and, and has been really beneficial. Yeah, thank you. No problem.
1: Let's take one more question and then Elizabeth will give you uh, some time to talk at the end. And, uh, and, and by the way, when you do talk to us, Elizabeth, if you could tell us about kind of what is the future of AI as a, as a preface to that. So one more question.
0: <laughs> hey, I've got one. Okay, what's been the biggest lesson you've learned from the World Race that you've been able to apply in your workplace? Yeah, that's a great question. So I know I've touched on this already, but I think the greatest lesson that I learned, I'm actually going to say two things, because there's two things that really stick out in my mind right now. One of those being adaptability. That's one thing that I mean, in the workplace, they, and especially in my line of work, they have stressed to the end, you know, being adaptable, being able to change quickly, um, stay agile, being able to really, you know, succeed in different situations on a daily basis is so important. And I think what you guys are doing and the World Race was something where obviously from month to month, we were doing different ministries and Um, moving to a completely different place to live. In the middle of it, we had to change teams and learn how to work with new people on the world race. And I know that you guys, you know, have to, have moved from place to place and, you know, tried different projects and passion projects. And so that's something that's been so, so helpful is learning how to be adaptable. And that's something that if you can give tangible examples of that in an interview, it's going to go really far. So that's something that's been really helpful. And then in addition to that, the communication piece, and there were times you know, on the world race where there are people that we, we weren't meant to be best friends. Um, they are really great people who had good intentions, but sometimes there was just, you know, personality or certain challenges and being able to learn how to work well with every single personality type by really understanding their motives and just clear communication of, okay, why do you think this way? Why do I think this way? Okay, how can we come to a compromise of what we're thinking and really being able to talk through that. The world race requires you to call that out in people and to press into that type of community. And that's been something that's been so, so valuable. So yeah, both of those have been things that have been really pivotal in my uh, time at work. Great. Thank you. Yeah.
1: So Elizabeth, what what would you, first of all, just a little bit about AI and anything you want to say about you know the future of it. And then any any words of exhortation that you'd like to give us?
0: Yeah, so I work on a team that does on-device AI or artificial intelligence that can be used off of the cloud and so overall, the future of AI, I think it's going to be, you know, um, I'm speaking out of my own opinion and not necessarily on behalf of Google, but <laughs> it's going to be um, something that obviously is going to be a much bigger part of our lives moving forward. So I really believe that every young person, every person in general should really invest in understanding it and really develop a comfort level with that, with algorithms and with understanding that that's going to really benefit your life. I think we don't realize how involved AI is in our lives, but the Google search engine, right? That is a big algorithm and, you know, maps uses algorithms, all these different things that we use in our daily lives. You know, our voice assistants are all algorithms. And so these are things that are so beneficial to really understand and something that's really, really important for our future. But in addition to that, I would say the with the ability to have on-device AI and things like that, it's going to allow different products that previously may have not worked with artificial intelligence to be able to work with it. And that's going to be really cool to see technology enabled in, you know, objects that we may have not considered before to be able to be smart. And then also the ability to use it in a way that, you know, in, in places that you wouldn't think you'd be able to use AI to really benefit the people living there um, in third world countries and things like that. And I think a lot of doors are going to be opened up to that in the coming future, which I think is going to be really, really awesome um, to see how we can use that in combination with, you know, how we can use that to help people's lives. Good. Yeah, I don't know uh, if uh, <laughs> you can feel free to ask me another question if I
1: didn't fully. It's, it's, I mean, obviously, it's going to be over most people's heads. And you're in a very sophisticated world with deep knowledge. <laughs> and uh, it will be fun to talk more about it when we talk to you next. But anything on your heart that you'd like to share with us now?
0: Yeah, so I kind of touched on this um, before, but something that the Lord's um, really been impressing on my heart is what I said in regards to Him qualifying us for what His purposes are and not us kind of defining that. I think in the past, I have a history of being a little bit of a perfectionist and wanting to control different aspects of my life. And something that the Lord's really been putting on my heart through the past events of 2020, which has been a really crazy year, is that we are in control, but we don't have to worry about it because he has, he has defined your purposes before you were even born, right? It says in Psalm 139 that um, he wrote out every day of our lives um, in his book of life before one of them even came to be. And it repeats in Psalms that, you know, he will fulfill his purposes for us. And so one, I just really want to emphasize the fact that he will give you your purposes and he will put those desires on your heart and he will give you discernment in that. And I think that's really applicable for all of you guys in global you right now. I, when I was on the world race, I remember um, sitting down and talking to God so much and asking him, you know, what purposes do you have for me? I want to fulfill these, you know, what are, what you're calling, what your will on my life. And that was something that I really desired to, you know, know from the Lord, and He didn't tell me at that time. I had no idea at that time that I'd be going into, you know, artificial intelligence and things like that. That wasn't something that was a desire um, at that time. So be open to the Lord putting things on your heart that you didn't recognize would be purposes, and to, you know, allowing the Lord to to identify those for you. And then also, don't put that pressure on yourself to feel like you have to um, fulfill them. Obviously, work hard, be abiding in the Lord. Um, prepare as much as you can when the Lord uh, gives you insights about those, but take the pressure off of yourself that you're not the one who has to qualify yourself for your next, you know, job opportunity or um, whatever he's called you to, something in the ministry, um, your missions work, uh, he will qualify you and he will fulfill those purposes um, according to his will and his timing. So that's something that the Lord's really impressed upon me. Obviously, I I'm still, I'm 25 years old, so (laughs) I'm still figuring it all out um, myself, but as someone who was a definitely a perfectionist in the past, that's something that the Lord's really impressed on my heart in this season.
1: Enneagram one?
0: I'm actually Enneagram seven, but I am a total perfectionist. Um, I'm really outgoing and (laughs) can be a little all over the place at times, but yeah. (laughs) That's
1: great. So what is it? He doesn't, quali- he doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called.
0: Yes, so. that is it. Yeah, it's something I've heard my whole life and I never fully understood until I think recently when I felt like the Lord truly act- like qualified me for the role I'm currently in. Because it's something that I, I wouldn't have uh, seen myself being able to get on my own.
1: Do you have a sense of um, what it is specifically over the course of your life that the Lord has called you to, Elizabeth?
0: Yeah, I am really passionate about business and missions, and I'm excited to continue working in artificial intelligence. So that's something that I feel passionate about. And then also, I'm a big people person, so just being able to work in ministry to encourage and work with people, and yeah.
1: What a great, uh, what a great opportunity you have. So can we uh, pray for you? can uh, Sierra I see you there could you could you pray for Elizabeth?
0: Yes, I can thanks <laughs> Lord. Um, thank you for allowing Elizabeth to come and share with us today to share about the past experiences that you have walked her through and the beautiful lessons that she's learned. Thank you for the woman of God that she is and Thank you for the space that you've given her at Google. Thank you for the light that she is there. Thank you that you have your people involved in involved in these things, involved in the technology that's changing the world, and that you are divine over all of those things. And so I just bless her today, and thank you for allowing us to hear and learn from her. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks so much, Sierra.
1: Yeah. Great to talk to you, Elizabeth. I hope we get to do it again.
0: Thanks, Seth. I appreciate it. Thanks, everybody. It's great Here. seeing you. <laughs> Thank you for listening to another episode of Global U Talks. If you enjoyed this episode or think a friend might enjoy it, go ahead and share it with them. Also, be sure to drop a review or hit the like button on SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, or your favorite listening app. It goes a long way to help us out. And if you're interested in reading the transcript, head on over to the globalu.org talks where you will find the transcript of every episode, as well as the opportunity to join in on the conversation live. You can join our live episodes every Tuesday and Thursday at 9 a.m. Eastern. You'll be able to ask questions, meet the community, and talk
1: with the host. I hope to see you there.